Welcome, brother, to another episode of Consciousness and Leadership, the podcast for truth-seeking men. This is going to be one of the most important conversations that you listen to in a long time. I truly believe that the energetics of what is about to come through is going to be extremely powerful. I'm honored to be bringing on a dear soul brother of mine, a wise, awakening masculine leader who is doing fantastic work in the world and truly being that masculine presence that that is really required during as what we were talking about is a transition during this time. So without further ado, we're just going to get into it and start flowing because we actually were flowing for 20 minutes and I hadn't hit hit record. So we were laughing about that. Um, And then we just reset here and we're going to hit record and keep flowing. So just would love to welcome my dear soul brother Tarek to this podcast. He's been on some of the beautiful uh, podcasts we've done in the past. And I really feel like now is a great time to have his message, his presence, his, his divine, sacred, masculine energy back in the vortex of consciousness and leadership. So awesome to have you here, brother. And we had a good conversation going before I hit record. <laughs> yeah, we did. First of all, I just want to say thank you for that super loving introduction it actually like almost I could feel some tears welling up just to just to hear someone introduce me in that way lets me know that I'm on the right path because I know for a fact that a few years ago I would not have had that introduction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for all of the beautiful soul brothers out there who have frequency matched with the, this podcast, you know, across all dimensions, time and space. I just want to just set up a little bit about um, Tarek here. And when he first came into my field, it was really when this whole agenda was kicking off. It must have been about 18 months ago through a connection with my queen and him. And then him and his queen came on and just had an amazing podcast and a podcast we used to have called Um, new earth leadership and just instantly when we had this conversation with the four of us I just knew that this was a new earth masculine guardian that I was speaking to I knew that this was a a soul that had incarnated in a you know in a, a, a vessel of a man with a cock and a balls and a big heart and muscles to 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 really be here during this, during this big transition to bring love and to bring powerful warrior energy. And I've, I've, you know, I've kept in touch with Tarek and I've, I've had calls with him here and there, and I've watched his content become more and more powerful and more and more relevant. And we were speaking about how he has this amazing ability, both in written form. I perceive it as amazing in written form and on video to communicate what is occurring during this great awakening. How is our society shifting in a way that is very, it's very palatable for people who are awakening. And I really feel like that is your magic brother. And, you know, I honor you for that. And any brothers out there who are not following Tark, I'm going to have all his info in the show notes. So make sure you go follow him on Instagram and Facebook so you can be checking his posts out pretty frequently. They are expansive. They're what I like to call hashtag real talk because he, he doesn't pull any punches. He calls it like it is. 
and you do it in such a beautiful way that you know it doesn't really get you censored because you play between the lines. So I'd love to just hear from you, <laughs> yeah. you, you brother. Like, what, what, what are you perceiving in the world right now? I know that's a big question, but I also know you're a big, a big-hearted New Earth leader, guardian. So I'd love to just turn the floor over to you to to talk to the man right now out there who's listening. Oh, what's happening in the world? So I think what's happening in the world can be viewed from a number of different levels, from a number of different angles. And, you know, we speak about third density or third dimension, fourth dimension, fifth dimension. And those sound very nebulous and abstract and kind of galactic and interstellar. And, and really, if we think of it in terms of density, it makes a lot more sense. At the most dense level, you have matter. You have everything that is in the physical material world, things that you can feel, see, smell, touch, hear. Then going above that, you have the fourth density. So as things get lighter, they expand beyond simply what you can see, smell, hear, taste, and touch. And you start to get into what you can feel in your gut, what you have a sense about, what you are drawn towards, what you are magnetized by, what you are attracted to. And those are more intangible qualities. Like when you're in love with someone, there's no physical sign. I mean, yeah, you might have like a fluttering of your heart and, and such. But it's really more a sense like, wow, I'm just gravitating towards this person. This person is the one that I, I want to be with. It's an intangible. It's not something that you can look at in uh, a stat sheet or an Excel document. And mm. that's the fourth dimension. And then you have the fifth dimension or the fifth density, which is what is happening on a more macro, on a more cosmic or eagle vision, drone view level mm. which is this is a snapshot in humanity's history and this is a turning point uh, a huge moment a crossroads where we can choose to ascend into a completely new understanding rather than understanding because understanding standing under is the part of the problem it's constantly subjugating and subjecting ourselves to the authority of someone as if they have more seniority over us, spiritual or otherwise. And so when we rather have an inner standing, we recognize that we are timeless beings. We are here for this short time on earth. And those of us who have incarnated now, who have been born now, whether we remember, which means to remember, doesn't mean simply to recollect. It's these terms like recollect and remember, when you, when you break them down, you see like a remember means to like come back together. That's what remembering is. Just like a recollection is to collect, it's to come back together, it's to reintegrate. And so right now what we are experiencing is a lot of us are moving towards unification and the things that connect us and join us together rather than all of these arbitrary barometers of segregation and division like how much pigment you have in your skin dictating that you're from another race like no there's only one race there's the human race and you're a part of it and to see that everybody regardless to what continent they are on or what genetic background they have or how they look to your eyes like we are all human we all share a beating heart we all breathe oxygen we all need water to live we all need sunshine. We all need love, community, and tribe. And so that's more the fifth dimensional aspect, is recognizing that we are moving out of the constructs, the confines, and the constraints that have been 
given to us or, or handed down like some bad souvenir and instead being able to reconceptualize, reimagine and re-envision what life as a human can actually mean to be connected to nature, rather, to be a part of nature rather than a part from nature. And, and I feel like that's, the, that's what's happening on earth right now. That's the opportunity at least that lies before us. But in order to be able to take that road, in order to be able to make good on that opportunity, you first have to see beyond simply your eyes. You, you have to be able to see with your heart. You have to be able to feel with your intuition. And so that's requiring you to function at a fourth density level in order mm -hmm. to navigate this because everything that you're seeing in the 3D is largely false. Yes, okay, there's so much goodness in there. And I love that we got into the, the third, fourth, and fifth dimensions because it is showing up more on social media. People are starting to talk about it. And the way you described it is very much on, on point with what I, what I call the three stages of masculine leadership. And they very much correlate to what you said in the third, fourth, and fifth. So in the first stage of masculine leadership, what we could call the third density stage, it's very much about the ego. It's very much about the self. There's a deep sense of separation. And this is where so many, you know, what we would term a leader that is men ha have been playing for a long, long time. This is the place where it's dog eat dog competition, where there's you know, energetics of war and lack and suffering. And this is where humanity is transitioning out of right now. As we move from there, we go up into what you talked as the fourth stage, right? This sense of feeling, this gut, it's intangible. And how I like to describe this fourth stage, it's a very malleable stage where it's about coming, to, coming into alignment and deeper into yourself. So that way you can actually realize that the self gives way to unity. I like to describe this as aligning the, the intellect of your mind, specifically, you know, your pineal gland, the portal to all these different dimensions, your heart, your intuition, and your heart, your gut instincts, and really going on this journey as a leader of aligning them all. And as you align them, you start to get this energies of, of unity and love and perception beyond just the self. And then as you continue to do this work and you take yourself deeper into your spiritual practices, deeper into the piercing of the illusion, with time, you will have this natural, quote unquote, awakening experience, you know, the ascending experience into the fifth density where like you said, it's that 3000 foot view or that 30,000 foot view where you can look at the macro and the beautiful part of doing the, the work and the healing and the releasing to move into this fifth density state is you start to realize that you are actually a, a soul having an experience right. here in a physical vessel in a projection, like a hologram that we're in to learn lessons and everything is divinely perfect. It no longer comes about right or wrong. With you're in the fifth density, you're able to be in this state. I like to call it 
loving neutrality, which I know is a little bit mm-hmm. of a paradox, but it's this state of, of leadership and the state of beingness where you don't actually see the third density as you know, right or wrong. You see it as this, this beautiful gift and transition that's occurring. And this is what I'm seeing more and more as leaders like you and I and people in our tribe going on this journey from the self and the separation into this feeling and the fourth and the intangible. And, you know, this is where we call that awakening, where you start realizing everything that we have been told is a half truth or a lie. And then you transcend that into this beautiful fifth stage and be like, I'm actually so grateful that we have been lied to. I'm so grateful the universe has, has perceived and created this density reality across all time and space where there is war and stuff because now we can move through it. And what a great learning experience for the soul. Most people out there, you know, most souls out there, we perceive, we perceive things as, as negative or good. You know, suffering is bad. Rape is bad. Terror is bad. You know, hugging your child is good. But from a soul's perspective, when you actually scale up into the six, seven, these higher, these higher different etheric realms, it, the soul doesn't look at, at rape as bad. And I know this can sound kind of kind of jarring to people, but the soul just perceives that as an experience. The soul wanted to know how to be an oppressor. The, you've reincarnated in other lifetimes to be the slave. And here's the beautiful thing. Now, enough souls on earth have learned these lessons of suffering and lower vibrations where we're actually we don't need them anymore we don't need them anymore the illusion of suffering is living so i'd love to kick it over to you to keep flowing with that with that line of line of feeling yeah wow my head like spiraled off into so many different directions just then so one thing that has really assisted me during this time is the, the, the knowledge of the following. The dark's role or the darkness's role is to be dark. Like they are simply fulfilling their contract. In the same way that if we were at a theater play, somebody has the role of the villain. Rather than being angry and caught up in your emotions about it, they're just fulfilling their part of the bargain. So that's why when like all of these you know, crazy measures are, are attempting to be introduced and people say like, oh, you wouldn't believe what they've done now. I'm like, yeah, I would. Of course, they're going to push, as, <laughs> as, as, they're gonna push they as hard and, and as far and as deep as they can because that's the goal. That's their contract. And so rather than blame them for it, you simply have to fulfill your part of the contract, which is the non-compliance, which is the uh, withdrawal of consent. That is your role. So the dark. So I remember when I did an acting course with Mahesh Jadu, who plays the who plays the villain Vilgefortz in The Witcher, and it was a really fun week-long acting course all about playing the villain. And I tell you, I learned so much about life that is relevant to what we're going through now. And one thing he said, he said, if you are playing the villain, because he's often asked to play the villain, he plays pirates and he plays uh, all of these shady characters. He said, you cannot judge your character. It's like, 
rule 101 of acting. You do not judge your character. You have to find empathy for what would make your character behave this way. What would, what would have to happen for your character to be that heartless or that much of a sociopath or that much of a you know, psychopathic killer or whatever? And he said, it's always in the face of the villain that the hero emerges. The villain is simply, if you look at it from a different lens, the mentor to the hero. Because without the villain, the hero wouldn't have to dig deeper within themselves, transcend their old limitations, their old beliefs about what's possible and become a different version of themselves in order to contend with this new adversary or this new nemesis. So the, the mere presence of the villain creates heroes creates people to dig deep within and find their inner truth, their inner warrior, their inner light, their inner calling, their mission. Like I've seen more people galvanize in the last 12 months to, to buy land, to build property, to start their mm. own tribes, to grow their own food than ever before. Because before it's kind of like a thorn in your paw, right? Or a thorn in your foot and you're walking along and it hurts, but it doesn't hurt that much that you stop, take off your shoes and socks and pull it out. <laughs> Love that. Whereas now it's like, it's not a, a thorn anymore. It's a piece of jagged glass and every step you take cuts deeper. And so now it can't be ignored. All of this stuff that's been swept under the rug for decades or probably millennia, thousands of years is now surfacing. And so like everything from police brutality to uh, medical tyranny to all, like all of this stuff has existed in some way or another, but it's in the nooks and crannies of society. It's been hidden in the background and now it is center stage and it has a spotlight shining on it. And so for those who are awake, you see it and you're like, ah, now that I see it, I have a choice to do differently. I have a choice to believe differently. I have a choice to live differently. And if you look at it and you don't make that choice, you don't make the cut. Then you stay in third density. You don't begin to experience manifestation and synchronicity and magic just lining up because you are so far off your path that your reality is reinforcing discord and more disillusion. Mm, geez, I felt like the same thing. My mind was just like, oh, there's so many different ways we could go in here. But one of the <laughs> things that really stood out from that absolute transmission there, my brother, was this whole idea of the villain being the mentor for the hero. And one thing that I've talked about with my tribe and my queen right now is, is the hero's journey of our planet and our species right now where we have willingly or not so willingly in some cases continued to comply and consent to manipulation by darkness leading to things like material materialism being expressed in excess leading to industrial war complex all of these manifestations of darkness on the hero's journey. So I'd love to hear from you. How, like, how are you perceiving that we, we as a collective species, you know, continue the hero's journey where we, you know, we overcome and transcend the darkness 
and bring ourselves back to that space that you and I know is possible in the fifth density of unity, consciousness, true freedom, you know, the law of mankind and womankind reigning, reigning supreme. Like, how do you feel that we go from this dark night of the soul piece that we're on the hero's journey into what would be termed the light and higher vibrations? I think the alignment begins to happen naturally. Like life is self-organizing. Nature is self-organizing. So things will naturally coalesce and organize themselves if you are in alignment. And so you going on your own hero's journey for me, it's, it's kind of like this, especially since this is a podcast with a lot of men listening and you started off this call saying you have a cock and balls and a big heart. And the, the shift that needs to take place right now in the hearts of all men, all men, and I know that's a sweeping, huge statement to make, but I, I stand firm on it. Is, to, is the move from a predator to a protector. Mm. So both are strong. Both have physical brute strength. But one uses that strength to attack and to devour and to conquer others. And the other uses that strength to protect and to, to shield and to stand up for others. And so both are a display of strength, but one is functioning from a old paradigm domineering model, and the other is functioning from a new paradigm ascension model. Yes, so, I love that. And this is one thing that I'm, I'm seeing more and more as, as men continue to wake up from the predator to the protector model that there's, yes, it can be a challenging transition, but men are coming to me and I'm talking in the DMs and Instagram, I'm sure you're getting a lot of messages around it as well, where the protector role feels more natural. It feels more aligned for men. When men actually stop and ground into themselves and ask, like, what actually feels good like within this reality? Is it feel good to be a protector that's domineering, that's hunting, that's always on edge looking for the next kill, the next strike? Like this, this, this permeates deep into our culture from just killing. It permeates into business. You know, and I know you do a lot with business where, you know, it's the hustle and the grind and you have to work 70 hours. You're a predator. You're going after your paycheck. Or, or does being an expansive protector feel good where you're grounded, you're connected with everything around you, you know how to enter flow states, but you also know how to stand and shield when the darkness comes to try and take and, and move you back to a predator mentality. Yeah, I mean, the thing with that, though, is unless you are this is just a you know a belief and i'm totally happy to be proven wrong unless you are at a certain level of your own inner standing of your own awakening process of your own personal development 
you're not going to naturally gravitate to being a protector. It depends if you've been predated upon, if you've been someone who's been bullied and abused and slighted and admonished your whole life, then you are naturally going to want to pass on that pain because one thing I like to say is pain creates lineage and, mm -hmm. and pain is passed down in families like heirlooms. Mm -hmm. And so you have to consciously choose to be both the chain breaker and the change maker. Otherwise, yeah, you won't I, have access to those protector frequencies. You'll, you'll continue your lineage of predators because up until now, there has been a lot of predation, especially between men and other men, from men towards women. Just generally, it's the dog-eat-dog -dog world, right? Rather mm -hmm. than the new world, which is like a dog-feed-dog world or a dog-protect-dog world. Yeah. Yeah, it's that protecting wolf pack energy where everyone is supported. So this this opens up the question then of like how, like what is the tangible, like what has to occur for, for the individual man to break the lineage of a predator, which is very indoctrinated, is getting continually reinforced by mainstream media more than ever before in order to move into being this change maker and this chain breaker? Like what can the man who's listening do and be in order to interrupt the, this big, long, deep rooted predator lineage? Start behaving like a protector. Start protecting those in your entrusted in your charge. Start looking after your family, start treating other men like brothers start treating other women like sisters and actually become that protector. Like the world needs more loving big brothers. If you can be a loving big brother to those around you, it will naturally blossom and bloom within you. I, I truly believe that. Because once you step, step into that role and you start to see other people regard you in that light, you'll want to amplify it because it feels nourishing. It feels far better than any fleeting conquest or the gratification of being a predator, like, oh, onto the next kill and then onto the next kill. And I, I see this a lot with men, that men are more open to talk about their feelings than they've ever been before. And we recognize feelings as human and not feminine or masculine it's it has nothing to do with gender it's a it's a form of expression and release in the same way that crying or laughter or an orgasm is and so it's this idea that you just have to embody it there really is no other way like ask yourself the way i'm behaving now is it what a predator would do or what a protector would do and there's your answer like it doesn't have to be complicated mm-hmm mm -hmm. like like how do you feel men are overcomplicating it though? Because this is one thing I know with my own private clients and the DMS, all that good stuff where men are very caught up in that third to third density to fourth density transition, where you can easily be pulled from the fourth density back to the third by overcomplicated. Like a lot of men are coming to me. 
yeah, like I get that these things have to change, but there's a lot of burden. There's a lot of overwhelm, worry, anxiety for the future. Like, How do you personally transcend that on a day to day? Like, do you have sacred rituals and practices? What's working for you? Well, what specific things exactly? Because this right now feels a little general. Is there a specific challenge that these men are coming to you with? Yeah, let's let's talk about let's talk about it because a lot of men on here are are opening up to everything that's coming on and a lot of them are feeling like they're meant to do something and this I know speaking your truth is something that you talk about a lot where mm. they're feeling like they can they they know that they have to do something but they they're hesitating from fully showing up in their brilliance, their presence, the, their protector energy, speaking their truth because right. of underlying fears. So what, what would you say to that fear man who has a lot of fear? Fear of what specifically? Fear of what other people think? Fear of what like parents, family, colleagues, friends, old schoolmates might say? Like fear of, fear of what exactly? Yeah, I think, this is, I think this is the exploration right here. So let's start with what you suggested. What about the fear? That's one thing that holds a lot of people back on social media, right? Is fear right. of what people who aren't on this path or as further along might say, you know, family members, maybe even significant others. Right. So I don't know about you, but ever since I was a kid, I felt there was something off with the priorities of society. And me being a kid and just entrusting everything to the, the grown-ups and feeling like, oh, well, they must know better. And so you go along with it and you're like, wait a minute, why are you telling me to be like either a lawyer or an engineer or a teacher or like there was very specific jobs that you, that you got offered. And I was like, mm -hmm. and when teachers would ask me like, what do you want to be when you're older? I'm like, I just want to be me. And that simple answer created so much friction. They were like, no, 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 you have to choose. I'm like, why do I have to choose? Explain that to me. And they're like, well, you can be a lawyer or a doctor. I'm like, why can't I be a musician and an artist and a speaker and a this and a that? Why can't I be all of it at the same time? Because all of it is part of who I am. And so I, I feel like as kids, we understand this innately, but then we have it bludgeoned out of us through years of conditioning. Like I call school conformity camp and mm -hmm. you have to stand in your truth. And it's like a crucible that will separate the precious metal from the dross. Everything that is not precious metal will burn away. Old friendships will burn away. Relationships will burn away. People in your family will judge you like get ready for that there is no avoiding it you can't get around it if that is your fear tough fucking luck you you have to stand in it i remember a simple thing like cutting out drinking alcohol i lost 70 percent mm. of my social circles because nobody invited me anymore they're like well why should we invite Tarek? he's not even drinking as if me not drinking is somehow affecting the buzz inside their bodies right this is the bizarre thing you have to go against the grain. Following a sick society is no measure of health. You, you have to be willing to stand in your own volition, in your own truth. Otherwise, like, what is it all worth? 
if you can't even bank on yourself, why should anybody else? And one of the biggest thing is this fear of what other people think. And often, more often, almost all the time, in fact, the people whose opinions we fear are people who don't have the success, the happiness, the health, the wealth that we ourselves want. So why are we listening to their opinion? Why am I listening to somebody who's stuck in the job that they hate about why my entrepreneurship venture or my new business or taking my courses online won't work? What possible wisdom do they have to impart to me based on their life experience? Why am I listening to somebody who's a perpetual uh, bachelor on, on how to treat my girlfriend or how to have a loving relationship? Like you don't have the results. Therefore, you are not qualified to talk to me about it. So I feel like if people would simply just withdraw the weight that they place in people who don't have the results they want, their whole world will change. I stopped caring what other people think who don't have the results I want. Because when people say like, oh, but you know, Tariq, I hear this and this and this. And I'm like, how is that working for you? Not so well? Well, nah, don't want to listen then. And, and really, that's it. You, you, the, the fear of what other people think is you having to deal with the, the possibility that something you've been told along the way, something you've held as a gospel truth is in fact a lie. And if that is a lie, what else have you been lied to about? And if you've been lied to about other things, then perhaps your whole world will unravel and everything will come unhinged and everything will fall apart. And it will in order to fall into place. And, and that's the big lesson is you have to be willing to let it go. You have to be willing to release what no longer serves. And you have to drop the opinions of others who don't have the results, the well-being, the health that you yourself want. Instead, if you're going to follow anyone, follow somebody who shows you how to be your own leader. Mm. Yeah, wise wisdom in there for sure, brother. One of the things that's coming up for me around this is, is how does this whole perspective tie into the following of, let's say, in air quotations, authorities? Like we have a lot of deeply entrenched, you know, maybe misguided trust place in, I say air quotation marks, authorities that are clearly don't have the best interest in our heart. So how do, how, how do you, or how are you navigating your own personal awakening while there is this duality of these authorities that are continuing to clamp down on people who, who are waking up, whether it's protests, whether it's passports, whether it's travel restrictions, because that's a big thing for a lot of people is, they're doing their, you know, they're doing some of that inner spiritual work, but they're still existing within a, you know, a, a, a framework of authorities cracking down. Sure. Honestly, I think on a very 3D and practical level, make yourself as self-sufficient as possible. The, the less you need to depend on the state and the authorities for your daily life and living the better off you are like, like you i don't have a job I, don't, I am what i call successfully unemployable 
I couldn't possibly see myself going to work. And therefore, they can't hold that over me. They can't say, well, unless you take three more jabs, you're going to get a pay cut or you can't come in on Monday or whatever, because I've, I've extricated myself from the system in that way. The other thing is, do your best to surround yourself with other people who are beginning to awaken because you'd be surprised what a small collection of people with a single vision can achieve. And thirdly, if you can get out of the city, like the dense city is going to make you feel density. So the, the more you can physically remove yourself from that smog, that haze, that low vibration soup that you're marinating in along with everyone else, which the two main ingredients of are anger and fear, the less you're going to feel angry and fearful. And the more you're going to start to see possibilities. And I mean, just speaking for myself, like I know all of this crazy stuff has been happening in the world, but somehow there's been like this slipstream and we just find ourselves navigating it without bumping into any major rocks. And I feel like the more you are in alignment with your path, the more you come into contact with other people who are in alignment, who show you ways, who show you back doors, who show you hidden passages, and you just don't have to deal with it. The other thing is pick your battles. So for example, mm. so a, a very simple example would be the face coverings, right? And I'm saying face covering rather than the other words because... <laughs> That, that's one of the ways that you circumvent the algorithms is, is to know how to speak and how to write, which I can, I can get into very briefly for everyone because there's, a, there's a, a definite trick to it. Anyway, so... You're a master. With, You're a master. <laughs> with, with face coverings, the thing about that is, like, I have a medical exemption. I can walk in and flash my medical exemption if I want to. How much difference is that going to make in that scenario, based simply on a face covering? Is it worth picking that battle and going into that space of emotional hostility, which will more than likely impact the rest of my day, just to prove a point for five minutes where I could simply walk in, get my groceries and walk out? Now, with something like a face covering, I would say it might not be worth it. However, if it got to the point where it's like you can't come in unless you've uh, been jabbed, that's when I would kick up a fuss. That's when I would get loud. That's when I would potentially push people out of the way. So it's like use your energy wisely. And, and that's also why I feel like, you know, going out onto the street and holding a megaphone and stuff. I don't know if that's the biggest form of influence. It's definitely one way, and I'm not holding it against anybody who's doing that, and I think it definitely has its place. But for example, me personally, I'm empowering more people to turn their passions into a source of income, which I know will create far more of a ripple effect and help people on a day-to-day -day basis much more than me holding a sign in the street. And so that's, that's what I would urge you is put your talents, your skills into action in a way that protects and serves others. And if everybody did that in their own nucleus of influence, the, the Venn diagram overlap would be astronomical and everything would rapidly change even faster than it already is.
again, so many different directions. I really like the whole the whole concept where you're where you're saying, well, pick your battles and how I've been describing this is like, where am I creating resistance within myself? And where am I creating resistance with another soul when it comes to the face coverings where I am up here up in Canada in, in this part, it's, it's basically getting to the point where certain stores will not let you in even though by quote unquote, the Canadian chart of rights and freedoms, which they're trying to delete from our memory, the Nuremberg codes, the law of mankind, all that stuff. The actual energy is that they they're not even going to listen to you. They literally are like, Oh, this is my store. You put it out. You're, you say, actually you're operating in the public. So this is this, it like, it just, it's like a no go. So for me, it's really this interesting. I feel like it's an interesting training ground where you know, I go to a store and, you know, my personal opinion is I always walk in, in a centered place without a mask as a way to see when I cross that threshold of the door am like, what is my actual state when I'm not bullshitting myself? Am I actually in fifth dimensional loving energy and, and, and expanding or am I creating some level of self resistance before I've even interacted with the person going in. And I know on a personal level, it's been an interesting dance to go through this process of dissolving this energetic and knowing that I can hold that high vibration. I've also realized if someone comes and confronts me, they're just a soul doing their job based on what they know. Most of these people are just, you're just, they're just trying to keep their job and their, their roof over their family's head. So why am I going to create resistance with them when, like you said, extract yourself from the system if i want to buy groceries from that place because i have not grown them or created a network with my local community like i have to play their game if that's how they're going to do it and i feel like this is a great example of this transition right now where we can go from still utilizing the system of having grocery stores and having these supplies and things available to us while they're still available to us and then move like utilize all of these things that we've created into what you said extracting from the system leaving the cities finding your soul tribe getting onto land getting out of the density picking your battles so it's a very interesting training ground that's going on for masculine leaders right now when it comes to the face coverings. But the, the question I have for you is you said you would kick up a fuss, you know, if it came to, came to the jabs, do you, do you feel like where you are in France and stuff, like people would be kicking up a fuss and like, what's the difference between in the arm versus, you know, over the face? Yeah, it's different levels of invasion. So one is far more invasive than the other. And while I think that one signals the other, one is perhaps not nearly as worth your energy as the other is. And so for me, like pick your battles, like I remember I did it. I walked into a grocery store. I had my exemption with me and I walked in without a face covering. The amount of shit that I had hurled my way in a five-minute window was 
quite an experience. And I stuck to my ground. I, I didn't. I didn't budge. And trying to communicate in in French when I don't speak the language that was fun. Um, and and then I walked out and I was like, okay, was that worth it mm. for that particular situation? Did I wake anybody up? Did I influence anybody positively? Did anybody see me as some kind of progressive individual? No. All that created was division, friction, tension, resistance, and a lingering mm. heaviness that just stayed with me for hours after that. Mm. So is that worth it in that situation? I would say probably not. In other situations, I'll stand my... So it's like, you just have to pick... Yeah, you really do have to pick your battles. Um, because if I come back and I'm in an emotional slump, how useful am I to other people? How likely am I to go and get on with one of my creative projects and make something come to fruition? How likely am I to get onto a call with a client and shift their reality? Much less. And so this is, for me, it's about keeping your energy for where it's best needed. And like we're in the small village, we're kind of outside of town. When we go into town, like there's people who are walking around with coverings on the street and there's even, um, you know, police that'll come up and ask people to put coverings on the street. That's where I draw the line. I don't wear face coverings in the street. You know what I mean? There's been, yep. there's been a couple of times where we've been approached and they say, oh, you're, you're, you're supposed to wear a, you know, a covering here. And then Chanel, my partner, she'll be like, oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for letting me know. And she'll put the covering up. She'll walk around the corner and she'll take it off again. And I'm like, why didn't, why didn't we stand up to them? She was like, because you're, you're challenging their belief systems and you're not going to get anywhere. So you might as well just pretend and then just go about your day because you have a far bigger way to serve than to sit and argue with somebody in a costume on the street who doesn't see the world the way you do. Mm, yeah, it's a great way of dissolving that resistance. And this, that really kind of pings me for a larger question that I know a lot of people are talking about. And that is this concept of like, is there going to be a mass exodus of souls in the physical form of death during this awakening process? Uh. Because are a lot of people, like you said, where the belief systems are so ingrained, where perhaps their role is not to actually move through this, like the people who are going and getting the jabs and having their okay. soul and connection untethered. So I'd love to hear your, your, views around that okay so this is the really interesting thing this is where we start to get into more of the galactic 5d conversation and it's like this they're there and this is just my comprehension of it so far so again you don't have to take this as truth this is just the way that i perceive things to be there is a some there's some form of universal governance there's some form of universal law that has to to be adhered to because earth is considered a free will zone it's it's part of the free will realm which means 
that if the, the powers that are in charge were to do things against your will and against your consent without first announcing it to you and getting your permission, there would be some form of mass intervention. And so the way that this is circumvented is they show you everything in movies, in comic books, in TV shows. They even do it as like typos and misreadings. And so Words. they've announced, yeah, so they've announced everything to you. But because you're like, oh, that was a good movie. Oh, yeah, Thanos snapping his finger and 50% of people just disappearing. Oh, that was, a, that was entertainment from Marvel. And because people dismiss it or people watch The Hunger Games and go, oh, yeah, that's just a movie. Or The Handmaid's Tale and go, oh, yeah, all the women suddenly becoming infertile. Right. That's just, uh, you know, that's just a TV show. Because you've had the agenda explained to you over and over again, shown to you over and over and over again, and you didn't see it as more than entertainment, you now essentially have given permission. And so here's the interesting thing is whatever uh, virus was released or somehow found its way around the world is relatively benign relatively but what people are putting into their bodies is straight up malevolent and they needed people to do that to themselves in order for it to be considered okay by whatever universal law operates this realm so that's why you can be coerced you can be pushed you can be threatened but no one can force you to take it. You have to be the one to take it yourself. And so what the, the fascinating thing is those who put all of their trust in authority, who put all of their trust in someone else, who outsource their health the way that they do their emails, those who outsource their health to vested corporate and governmental interests, I think won't be around. In a couple of years because this is not just about one round of jabs they're going to ask for another round and then another round and then if you don't have the fourth round you lose whatever entitlement the previous rounds have garnered you and so it's going to be this never-ending thing of new variants coming up and now you need to have a new jab for this new variant and guess what like the jabs for the flu have been around since the 1930s people still get the flu Hundreds of thousands of people die from the flu every year, even though flu jabs were created in the 1930s. So what makes people think that this is just going to go away with a jab? It's not. And, and this is where it's not survival of the fittest anymore. It's survival of the most awake, survival of the most heart opened, because those with open hearts are going to be able to watch the people on the teleprompter, on the news, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt. They're lying to me. I'm not listening. And, and that's, I sadly do feel like a lot of people are going to perish. In fact, there's like studies and stuff coming out now saying 60 to 70% of deaths that will occur will be those who've had two doses. Like if that doesn't spell it out, I, I really don't know what, what can. And, and the weird thing is people have done it to themselves. People are lining up and throwing parties to celebrate. You know, it's, it's literally like, like, uh, 
lambs queuing up outside a slaughterhouse and the S has been scrubbed away and they think it reads laughter house. And they go, ooh, laughter house, that sounds fun. Let's all line up for that. And then someone comes along and goes, hey, do you see it looks like they scrubbed out a letter. Is that an S? Oh my God, does that say slaughter? Oh, you, you with those silly theories of yours, get back in line. Well, first of all, I never had the awareness around that word uh, slaughter like that. That's, that's really interesting. And this is an opportunity for the man who's just listened to that transmission from you to, to circle back to that third, fourth, and fifth state densities where when you open your heart, when you go on this healing, releasing lineage journey and you come into that fifth density state of loving neutrality, you will see, you know, a lot like family and friends, you're going to perceive that if they do leave through jabs and all these things as part of their soul's journey, as part of, you know, ultimately their free will, like they use their free will to consent to it and did not, did not look beyond the illusion, did not evolve beyond the illusion. And when we're, when we're sitting in that loving neutrality, that's neither right or wrong. That is simply their soul's expression. Now, I'm going to get a little galactic here because I want to finish on a high note, my brother, and really stream into like what's coming. What's coming as people awaken? What's coming as these souls depart? Like what is this, this new earth that we are actualizing as, as these souls leave right now? So like, what, what do you feel in the next coming years and decades is in store for those who open their hearts and move into loving neutrality and do the lineage clearing? Like what, what awaits them in that future timeline? Oh my gosh. I, I feel like right now uh, everything's heading to this and we've spoken about this before, even on, on that previous podcast. And it's funny because this was before all of this stuff was playing out. And I feel like called it. Uh, yeah, that, you called it. <laughs> timeline that, separation. Jenna and I still talk about it. Yeah, timeline separation. Like a lot of people will move towards this heavy technocracy where there is this like big brother surveillance um, you're constantly monitored and tracked and traced and, and tabulated and cataloged and systemized and all of that, right? And, and you're being sold that as healthy, happy living, which safe. is utter BS. Yeah, yeah. That that is, is, is safe. And then you'll have this other version of society where this is what I mean about the galvanization of, of people will come together and start growing their own food in mass. It will start to happen. There'll be like, It'll sprout like mushrooms all over the world when you have these tribes and these communities that hold these new sacred values and codes that recognize that the only reason that people perish at 60 or 70 years of age is because they poison themselves their whole lives. It's amazing that they get that far. Like, can you imagine where we'd be if we didn't poison ourselves like if we didn't sabotage ourselves every step of the way with alcohol and tobacco and drugs and chemicals and gmo and herbicides and pesticides and stuff in the tap water i mean there's such an onslaught of things working against you 
I think it's an absolute triumph and a testament to the resilience of humanity that we're still doing as well as we're doing. No joke. And so can you imagine when all of those people who see that and who can imagine a new way all come together and say, hey, let's create the new. Let's create organic, natural humans that are away from schools of indoctrination, that are away from religious dogma, that are away from oppression and suppression and tyranny and the need for control, but instead come together in collaboration and cooperation rather than competition. When people start to come from a place of service rather than survival, like the, the amount of growth, expansion, development and evolution that will take place will be unprecedented. And it'll take place in a fraction of the time that it's taken so far, because right now all that technology keeps getting suppressed. But when you're outside of that jurisdiction, and the thing is, the the dark knows that they've lost. Like on a spiritual level, the, the game is up. What's happening right now is it's just filtering down. And in the same way that you can look at a star and it can explode and you still look up at the sky and you still see the star because it hasn't the light hasn't traveled yet. It hasn't got to you. What we're experiencing is an echo of a dying dinosaur gripping on with its last claws, but it's gripping on for dear life. And so (laughs) we're experiencing a lot of this stuff play out in the physical realm, and it might continue to play out for another couple of years. But in the grand scheme of things, in the macro, the light has already won. Love has already won. People have chosen love over fear in terms of a a consensus reality and those who've chosen fear are going to live it sadly they're going to experience it they're going to have even more of it and whether they live to actually experience the fear or they just check out of this reality altogether it's it's kind of on you like this is a collective experience that you have to make the choice for individually and you can't say oh but my parents said or my teacher said or my boss said or my employer said not good enough that's like you know you were abused when you were a child and you use that as the reason why you're not successful at the age of 40 like it's not good enough it's not your fault but it is your responsibility and unless you stand up and do something about it you likely won't be able to stand at all and what i like to say is why have freedom of speech if you're too afraid to say what you think (laughs) freedom of speech Freedom of speech is only useful if you have something worth saying. Otherwise, you might as well stay silent. And so that's the choice that we have. When we have more people standing in their truth, stepping into their loving, protective power, it will change the world. And we'll experience a type of, we'll experience a, a type of golden dawn, an era of awakening, of loving humanity that has never been before. Because I don't think people can fathom, can, can even conceptualize what life might be like without everything working against you. Whether people realize it or not, they have been a salmon their whole life, constantly swimming against the stream that is trying to cut them down. And the early stages of this look like entrepreneurs. Like what, work 50 years of my life in a job where I wake up every day and hate myself a little bit more? That doesn't make sense. I'm gonna try and create my own business, right? Those are like the early stages. Then there's, you, you go a step further and there's homeschooling. It's like, why should I bring my kid up learning about all of these factually incorrect historical wars when there's so many more important things I could be teaching them? 
why, why these redundant subjects that they'll never use in their life? Homeschooling, I'm gonna homeschool my kids, right? So you have all of these different stages of evolution. Now imagine all of those coming together, but with no resistance, with no oppression, with nobody trying to make a good customer out of you because the money's in the treatment, not in the cure. That's something you have to know. You're, you're much more useful as a long-term direct debit than you are a uh, uh, check-in, check-out patient. And when you recognize that all of this stuff, it has been working against you your whole life. Has, everything has been set up in opposition to what truly matters to you, what truly makes you healthy. And so if, you just, if we just all just stop doing that, I, I think humanity would evolve at a pace that is beyond our wildest imagination. And then I feel it's coming and I feel it's here and it's starting in small little pockets and it will mushroom. And before we know it, it'll be like popcorn all over the world. Mm, so beautiful, so beautiful. And this is where for the masculine leader who's out there listening right now, where being present in this moment with this experience and being in your protector energy and going through this healing process is so valuable because that future, which is not that far off as there is mass collective awakening, awakenings and everyone is taking these steps and all of these souls that are meant to be part of this new earth are taking this steps. That's going to create more and more of critical mass or a dominant timeline. And what I truly see coming, if I can paint a picture for the man out there, just to put a cap on this beautiful conversation is there is a reality that we are moving towards right now globally. And I don't know if we're talking linear time, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, that's, that really doesn't matter. But there is this timeline where you are waking up and you are getting up and you're feeling energized and expansive. You look around when your eyes open and you're living in a beautiful home that is crafted sustainably and is high vibration. And you get up and you go outside and you see, and more importantly, you feel the presence of deep soul family where you can literally feel all of their hearts beating where you feel intimately connected with the ground and the trees and you go for a walk and you look over and here's a beautiful part of the land that you've cultivated in permaculture and you go up to the hill and you look out and you see a big former wasteland of mass scale logging and you see over in the corner you know people out there your tribe replanting, rehabilitating, coming back into energetics with the earth and you go and have healthy food. Maybe you just have some juice because as your body crystallizes and you move towards potential immortality, you, you don't even need that much food. You don't need as much shelter. Right. All you need is the love within your heart and your community. And then your day is completely expansive. Do you want to paint? You paint. Do you want to go out to the garden? You garden. You literally follow your heart and the need for money and fear and competition has literally dissolved into true unity consciousness. And for those men out there who are thinking that seems far-fetched, like I, I really encourage you to 
study some galactic history and that can be a bit of a deep end for some people but the reality is what is happening on earth has played out many many times in our perceived um, timeline of millions of years on different planets i was talking about this with Tarek of a, a past life remembering that i had earlier on where lots of species have gone through what we've done and have transitioned towards this unity consciousness and this reality where you wake up and are intimately connected with everyone around you and you know it. So this is not something that hasn't happened before. We're simply playing out this script and evolution in this, this reality and timeline. So stay in your protector energy, expand your heart, follow Tarek, of course, because he's going to keep the, his medicine flowing for you uh, all the time. Make sure you're on all his different channels. And I'll just turn it over to you, my brother, for... Any final transmissions for the man out there? And then if you can just share a little bit about where people can follow along and what you're up to. Sure. I mean, you know, even just having this conversation now, I feel this energy moving through me. And it just, like a number of years ago, I was living in Bali. I was eating a lot of meat. I was eating processed food. I was drinking alcohol like a lot, like three, four nights a week. Um, I was looking a lot older than I was. I was just on this path, basically like a lot of the men in my family, like every man in my family is very overweight and is on some form of chronic medication. And I was told that this is your, this is where you're headed. You know, this is, you, it's inescapable. It is your genetic <laughs> It's, it's your genetic destiny. It's, it's fucking encoded in your cells. You are going to be bald, fat, and unhealthy, right? And thankfully, I discovered plant medicine and came across people who saw a light in me that was beyond how I was living. <clears throat> and I just started to change. And I cut out eating meat all the time. And I, I was like, why should my life be hinged upon so much death? Like, do I really need it? You know, why am I poisoning myself three, four nights a week and calling it fun? I've been doing that for 15 years now. What if I just stopped poisoning myself? What would happen to my body? And so I stopped. And then I was like, all of this cheese and, and dairy and, and processed food and sugar, like, what has that really done for me? And I started to cut it out. And I was like, okay, all of this, like, you know, casual hooking up with people and, and seeing the, the world as like something that was there to, to conquer. I was like, where has that gotten me? Has that left a series of, of happy, fulfilled women in its wake? Or has it actually created mm. pain and destruction through some like repressed uh, friend zoning that happened to me as a teenager? You know, is that actually what I was playing out? Some form of retaliation and retribution. You know, and I started to just take a really long, hard look at all of the ways that I was letting myself down and therefore other people around me. And I was like, this shit's got to change. And I remember I, I had a reading at the time uh, with a human design couple from Russia. And they were like, we're getting some very interesting thing from your reading. I was like, what's that? They said, well, up until the age of 30, you've been in a self-destructive pattern. I was like, yeah, tell me something I don't know. They're like, unless you change it now, radically, you'll be dead by the time you're 37. 
And they said, but if you change it, you become a leader to many. And the, the humbling part of this journey is to go from that party boy to being someone that I, I now know I'm influencing thousands of people. I know that I've helped a lot of people quit their jobs. I know that I'm helping people turn their passions into, into services. I know that I'm impacting people differently. I know that I'm now that big brother safe figure rather than being this predator, uh, lecherous, you know, creepy guy. And the fact that I can make these transitions from that path to the path that I'm on, the big message that I want to leave any men with is do not underestimate how much impact you changing yourself can have on the world. Tony Robbins is one man. The guy who started Charity Water is one man who used to be a nightclub owner and now has like brought clean water to millions around the world. Like one person truly on their mission will ripple like a boulder in a pond. And if I can go from where I was to where I am now, you can too. So it doesn't matter. I don't blame you. I don't judge you for how much meat you've eaten or how many animals you've killed or how many women you've hurt or how much alcohol you've drunk. I'm not interested in your past, but I'm deeply invested in your future. So do it for yourself. Because when you truly come from a place of self-love, that's not selfish. That is how you become selfless. When you come from a place of self-love, of truly loving yourself, like loving yourself enough to make the healthy choices, loving yourself enough to be a good man, that is how you're going to serve the most people. And you'll wake up every day and you'll look at yourself in the mirror and you'll say, I'm proud of the man that I'm becoming. Mm, I absolutely. I absolutely love that. I think that's beautiful finishing with the mirror because I really encourage every man out there when you stand in front of that mirror and you, you look into your eyes and you feel your heart. If there's resistance, if there's judgment, if there's shame, that is simply an opportunity to recognize that you aren't in that loving neutrality in that moment. And then as we've talked about over this podcast, you have that moment with your conscious free will to choose to take the action, the step, the compassionate love to shift into that loving neutrality, whether that's self-care, whether that's simply saying affirmations, whether that's going out into nature or going the other way. And ultimately, your soul has that choice on this free will planet. So Choose wisely because that is going to determine not only your eternal now moment and your happiness, but also the future that we are creating here on this planet. So Tark, this has been whew, what I call a quantum conversation. It is always just such a pleasure to be in your energy and your presence and, and to have you on this line. I really, you know, you, I draw a lot of inspiration from you. I, 
you know, I feel your energy across this planet, across all dimensions, time and space. I, I, I know that we're deep soul brothers from other lifetimes and to have, you know, magnetized and aligned to have these conversations in this reality is truly something that I treasure and I'm honored and I value. And I know when I'm in different dimensions and stuff, it will always have a, a very special place in my heart. So thank you for that. And I would love for you to just share with the man listening where, like, where can they follow along? Like, what are the channels where you're transmitting your, your wisdom on a daily basis? Sure. I, ironically, from the belly of the beast, that is Facebook and also Instagram at the moment. Um, so on Facebook, I'm Tariq, T-A-R-I-Q-E-Q, like emotional quotient, E-Q, Amawi, A-M-A-W-I. Uh, same on Instagram, but like Tariq.E.Q.Amawi. And um, yeah, I just... I share posts a lot. I, I use social media as what I call soulful media, which is I'm using the same platform, but I'm using it to spread consciousness. And yeah, if you resonate with my stuff, feel free to connect, send me a message. If you want to learn how to turn your passions into, uh, you know, into programs and, and create an income and an impact, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Like I, I feel like we all have beautiful gifts to share. And um, it certainly beats being stuck in the grind. Yes, it does. Transcending from the grind of the 3D into that loving, expansive 5D energy has really putting a cap on this beautiful conversation. And to the brother out there, if this landed, if there were aspects of this that resonated, please share it out on social media, whether it's on Facebook, you can go ahead and tag Tarek, tag myself, on Instagram, tag us both as well and just share what was the most potent takeaway that you had from this episode because the more men that we can magnetize to this podcast, I know it's going to open a lot of doors. So thank you for your time, your energy and being in this space and how beautiful it is that we're capping it. It just turned to 1111 here in Canada. And that's a beautiful, beautiful synchronicity to sign off on. So from my heart to yours, thank you. Aho. Namaste. If you like this, message me. We'll have Tark back on in the near future for more transmissions. Peace, love, happiness, and the two of us, we love you. <laughs>